The singular seed of Eve, which is the Christ, will crush the head of Satan, but his heel will be, will be bruised. This is a prediction of the cross, but also the triumph of Christ. I think it's important to understand that in this promise of the crushing head of Satan is all that Satan brought about with the fall will be undone. I firmly believe that implicit in Genesis 3.15 is also the hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. So we rejoice in the work of Christ our Savior. His triumph is far more than our souls go to be with him after death. That, that's not his triumph because then it leaves, leaves everything incomplete. No, his triumph is so complete that he will raise us and all believers and all of us will together be with him in his new heavens and his new earth with glorious bodies raised up by him at the last day. All of us will be together. We'll never be separated from loved ones, from Christ, from the creation, or body and soul separated ever and ever again. In fact, Revelation chapter 22 speaks about the tree of life. Where have we heard about the tree of life before? Garden of Eden. The very last chapter of the Bible speaks about the tree of life being in this new Jerusalem. So there's points ahead that God's going to completely undo all that was lost in the fall and we'll be with him together, totally renewed as God intended in the first place. Now this has already begun in your baptism. You already have new life in him. But we're awaiting the full fruition of this when Christ returns. So notice, notice the creeds, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Which creed am I even quoting right there? I, I can't remember. Um, I have to go through each, each, each creed. What? The Apostles' Creed. And then, um, that I, what's the Nicene Creed right there? I, yeah, yeah. So, so we, we have different. That, but in other words, both creeds, everlasting life or love. I gotta take a picture. Okay. What? <laughs> I gotta comb my hair, I guess. So it's a. Um, and this study is actually very germane because how many of you have a beating heart right now? How many of you understand that at some point in time your heart's not gonna beat again? And so this to have a biblical understanding of life and death and Christ and the hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting is so, so important. It is our true joy. Now yet in this age, we Christians still face death because death is a result of sin. We can never be comfortable with death. Even the death of a faithful Christian brings sadness. I didn't write it here, but it's very important to know the, what's the shortest verse of the Bible? Jesus wept. Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus weeps at the tomb of Lazarus, ten, I don't know the time, but let's say 10 minutes before he raises him from the dead. When my loved one dies, do I have the sure promise of Christ that 10 minutes from now that, that he will raise my loved one from the dead? No, no. So if Jesus weeps at, at earthly death, so I too can, can grieve also. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 is so important. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope, so we will grieve. You are allowed to cry a river of tears at your loved one's death. In fact, it's a backhanded way of saying God is good. If God had not blessed you with this person in your earthly life, then you would not feel sadness at the moment. Does that make sense? And so, and so your tears, 
is a reflection of God's gracious giving of other people to you in this age. But death does bring havoc, brings loneliness, brings um, um, pain and weakness, and oftentimes sadness and mourning. Um, now this is even though we have true hope in Christ. And we have the victory over sin, death, and hell. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next, next page right, right here. Second page. Any questions, comments? To get the first part down, the rest is just downhill. Because it's all thinking about th- all these things biblically. By the way, we live in a, in a culture now that is constantly assaulting us. The catechesis of our, of our pagan culture is constantly, almost every aspect of life, attacking the Christian faith. And so oftentimes um, we, we, haven't, we haven't thought through every, every issue of life, death, marriage, family. All these issues are being influenced now um, by an outside culture. And I could just go issue by issue versus thinking about things biblically because we are the baptized in Christ. This is the next part is very important. You are part of the body of Christ. On your way to church this morning, how many of you saw a leg just bouncing up and down down the street? You, you don't. It's, it's a, it, it, no, you don't see a hand walking across the street or something like this. You know, an elbow sticking up out, you know I mean? No, no, no. We are a body. All our parts work together. In fact, our, our body parts work, work together very well. I mean, as, as many of you might, might know, uh, what happens if you, uh, you break your little toe? I mean, that affects the whole body, right? I mean, so, so even little things, you know, you get a cut on your finger and you have to abandon your finger. What's, what's life like the rest of the day as far as tying your shoes and household tasks? Even little things affect the body. And so we are the body of Christ together. And this is so important. You're not a, just a bunch of individuals, much less people who just consume things for your own pleasure. So we devote our lives to hearing the word together and preached, rejoicing in the faith and life in Christ together in Christ, receiving the Lord's Supper together in anticipation of the marriage feast of the Lamb and praying to our Father together. Again, this is a, a paraphrase of Acts 2.42 as well as looking at the marriage feast of the Lamb in Revelations chapter 19. The loss of any one member of the body of Christ brings sadness to all the body. One of the hard things about being in a larger congregation is that oftentimes you do not have the honor and the privilege of knowing all the members of the body of Christ. Now, perhaps part, part of our problem is also we lived in diverse communities and so hard even to say hello to the people we know. But everyone in this room right now, everyone you see in the sanctuary is part of the body of Christ. And when one part hurts, the rest of the body hurts. And so therefore the death of a member is a death in the congregation, the body of Christ. Okay. And, and so this is, so we participate together. So therefore, in anticipation of the, of the talk about the funeral, funerals are congregational events. Death is a congregational event. It's not a private family event, okay? Now your family, you know, might, might indeed mourn, and you might have at the funeral some extended family from Missouri or Tennessee or, or, or Michigan or something like this. That's, that's true, that's true. But primarily, think in terms of your loved one or you being part of the body of Christ. This is the great unity we have. 200 times in the New Testament, you are called brothers in Christ. And by implicitly, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so, um, 
So the last sentence of that paragraph, therefore earthly families need to be aware of the family of God in Christ Jesus when considering funeral plans for the deceased spouse or loved one. And church members are to be present to console and to join in the worship of Christ at funerals. Uh, not a commercial, but an exhortation. As many of you as possible, be at the funeral for Orb Gatke this coming Thursday at noon. Many of you might not know Orb. If you came to Lent dinners, you would. He was a you know elderly gentleman, a little bit tall, a little bit taller than me. You know, although a little bit hunched over. He's 88 years old at, at his passing. Um, and his wife passed away several years ago, and and Orb has been you know kind of going downhill. But he was in church. Uh, just was he? Bethy was in church just a few weeks ago, right? You know, then then his health took a turn for the worse, and, and at 88 he passed away. So so if at all possible, one of your brothers in Christ will be laid to rest this Thursday at, at eight. Uh, at, no, no, uh, at noon. Um, so, so just, again, refreshing our, our thoughts we, about, about what happens to us after death is that Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus' soul and the thief on the cross' soul go to paradise with the souls of the other believers in Christ Jesus who are awaiting the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. They're awaiting, so they need the way to be broken through for their resurrection, and that's when Christ's resurrection, but also we need that hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Now, the descent into hell we speak about in the Apostles' Creed occurs uh, as part of Easter, but being crucified in the body, but being raised by the Spirit. First Peter chapter 3, he went to speak to the spirits in prison. So, so the descent into hell is part of I won the victory in Jesus, not Jesus had to suffer a little time in hell because the cross wasn't good enough. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's just little excursus on, on that. Okay, so we oftentimes separate out the afterlife from this life, from the body of Christ and from our creator. And that's not a biblical way of thinking. Um, and, let's, and, and it's gonna be a true resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. It's very important to understand and there's all sorts of false concepts, you know, and the, oh, now you can get your own casket made in your favorite team colors, right? You know, or, or, or the race car, they, finished the, they went across the finish line or they went to the 19th hole. Yes, these are real caskets. You know, in England, you can buy a, a cemetery plot right next to your favorite soccer team's stadium. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, like, where, where the scripture is... is, is is, is the eternal soccer game, um, you know, mentioned. It's, it's not, it's not. So we've got to think biblically. Yes, Kevin, yes, qu question. Yeah, it does about amazing glorious body, but that's the promise given to Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21, that we have a body like unto his glorious body. And so, so we wait our hope from heaven, okay, and, and Christ will give us a body like unto his glorious body because it's not going to be subject to decay anymore or disease. I, you know, um, you know I, I, 
I almost rode my bicycle in today, but I, I was a little bit late, so I didn't. And also, I couldn't get my bicycle out of the garage because the garage door wasn't acting right. So I like to ride my bicycle. I, I like to keep active. But I will guarantee you my activity level is not nearly the activity level that it once was, right? You know, uh, it's, it's laughable. You know, I, I got Mr. Janeski right here, the, 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 the coach for, uh, for our drag team, you know. I remember in, in high school, you know, the coach telling us to run to the middle of nowhere and back, you know, across country. And so, so uh, you know, running to the middle of nowhere and back would be like, like to the next yard now for me. And so, you know, just, it, you know, my, I, uh, I mean, I used to be a runner. And in fact, you know, but now they can't handle it. You know, a few years ago, I tried to take up running again. My knees just, you know, became like balloons. And my wife said, no, no, you can't do that. So, so hence, and I can't. I can't swim as much as I used to because my shoulders ache and stuff like this. Our bodies fade. There is not going to be any fading of anything for all of eternity. God did not create Adam and Eve to, to say, you know, um, uh, did you take your vitamins today, dear? I mean, you know, that, you know just think about all the, all the things. That, oh, here's your walker, Adam. I mean, no, I mean, you know, I mean, God did not create Adam and Eve, you know, to, to be that way. Okay. And so in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, we will have bodies that will live eternally. And this is our hope. This is our joy. Because as you get older, you discover all sorts of things. I mean, you know, as you get older, you know, that even if you're, you, know, you drive for, for an hour and you're getting out of the car, it's just like, oh, you know, my, you know I mean, do my legs ever unlock? No, I mean, it's just, it, and versus when you're young, psh, you know, you, you run all over, you can run into a playground or rest area just like that. I mean, all, all these things, we do get older. I mean, you know, uh, Moses died with 100, at 120, right? And his eyes are still not dim. You know, my eyes are pretty dim right now. I mean, it's just, uh, um, and just think about this. And these are promises, and we'll be all together singing the praises of, of the Lord. Okay, so, um, so now we see also, this is important, I made a little statement that even the Old Testament has the promise of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and after my flesh has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, yet I will see God. Okay, Job chapter 19, the, the expression, you know, um, Jesus, to the Sadducees, that God is the living and not the dead. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, expressing the hope of the resurrection to, uh, for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's basis of, of the Old Testament hope. And, and we could go on. Martha expresses the hope of the resurrection to Jesus in John chapter 11. Um, we see the, the banquet, the eternal banquet of the Lord presented in Isaiah chapter 25. And it's, and it's presented in the way of, of, of aged meat and, and nice wine. And so, I, oh dear Lord, I want this thick of a steak, and yes, you know, and, and not too dry, but not too sweet, okay? It's a, um, I think it's a bad way of thinking about eternity, as long as Jesus is there. Okay, so, um, you know, I'm going to have, a, for a couple minutes, you know, I could be a whole other uh, thing. I do want to have a little excursions on something that, that, that would have been inconceivable 100 years ago, that in the Christian church, we have to talk about cremation, not part of our Christian heritage, not part of our Christian heritage at, at, at all. What's the biblical heritage? Abraham, Abraham buys a burial plot for his wife, Sarah. Okay? Abraham's buried also. You know, Jacob, when he dies in Egypt, makes this, make sure you take me back to the promised land and bury me. Joseph, when he dies in Egypt, make sure you take my body back from Egypt into the promised land. You know, burial, 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 burial. But most of our Lord Jesus Christ, he dies and is buried on his third day, risen from the dead. Since our bodies, it's our body that will be raised from the dead. 
we treat it with care and respect. So the, the history of the Christian church is to treat the body of a loved one with respect and lay in a tomb because the body, in the New Testament, Christians fall asleep. The only righteous person who dies in the New Testament is Jesus. And why does he die? Because he became sin on our behalf so that we might have the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. All other Christians fall asleep. Stephen falls asleep. All the saints and if, uh, are falling asleep. When somebody falls asleep, you treat their body with respect. Okay, and so, so hence we treat our, our loved ones um, and we take care of the bodies. Um, and, and so we, we, we look at this, um, this this way. Now, there is no, I cannot point a verbatim quote to you saying, thou shalt not cremate. However, um, Moab is condemned because they burned the bones of the king of Edom in, in Amos 2, 1 and following. Josiah, because he hates Baalism so much, he takes the bones of the Baal worshipers at Bethel and intentionally burns them and desecrates the altar of Baal with the bones of those who served Baal at, at Bethel. Achan was condemned to be burned for his sin of taking possessions and, and hurting the people of Israel at, at Jericho and subsequently at Ai. And we see the punishment in Leviticus 20 for somebody having sexual relations with a mother and her daughter, that person shall be, shall be burned. So we, we never see cremation as a positive, but rather the history of the church is that those who fall asleep, we will raise, uh, we, we will treat with respect. That's the history of the Christian church. And, and really the, the idea of cremation is, is imported from, uh, from, from, from outside, from outside. Uh, here's, a, here's a nice way of looking at, at almost anything about life in our modern age. If you read the Bible and did not know what the culture said about something, for example, about weddings, about funerals, about children, about marriage, about sexuality, would you come up with this idea on your own? If you read scripture, would you come up with the idea of cremation on your own? You wouldn't, it'd be totally foreign. If you look at the history of church, totally foreign. What are the arguments for cremation? One, it's less costly. Mm, true, true. However, you can have a very simple casket, very simple tomb, very simple vault, and be buried the next day. Okay? Um, number two is, is really the, um, is really, if cost is an issue, and it's a real issue, um, I guarantee you Bethany's Benevolent Fund will pay for your casket and your, and your graveside. We will do that for you because this is, this is part of our Christian, being Christian brothers and sisters of Christ. But let's be real honest. Do we ever spend anything extra at a restaurant? Uh, how about other family events? And the funeral is a family event, remember? How about a wedding reception? How many of you would want to have for your children a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich reception? You know, we all, here's, yeah bunch of cases we equate brand water and there's a peanut butter and jelly and oh there's a bag of carrots <laughs> we love that our children that our child is married right we, we don't do that oh it's it's our 50th wedding anniversary let's go to mcdonald's tonight i mean we, we we don't in other words all sorts of things in life we will spend extra for if they're important for us right and so the death of a loved one that extra expense is i think it's part and parcel in, um, in Singapore right now, the cost of a tomb 
it was basically almost the cost, it's, it's like huge. I haven't seen the, the numbers lately, but when I did research like, like close to 10 years ago on this, it's huge. Yet the Christians in Singapore are always buried because they understand this is part of the, of the Christian faith and a statement that we're not part of this outside, outside world. Again, um, any questions or comments? You know, I'd say this, now, now let me give a caveat. I'm not saying this to condemn anyone who has, they, they, they know their loved one has been cremated. I, I, this is not a saying condemnation. I'm just trying to bring to light something because we've let the culture influence our thinking and bring to light a scriptural view of cremation and burial. And this is not to condemn anyone who has, has, has um, had a loved one cremated or, the, or they've thought about it themselves. This is not to say this at all. It's just to express the hope of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting, because this is what, 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 what has been typically practiced in the church for good reason, because our brothers and sisters fall asleep. Okay. Any questions, comments? Yes, go ahead. Okay, that's a great question. Is paradise different than heaven? If you've noticed, what word have I avoided this day? Heaven. What passage in the Bible tells you that when you die, you go to heaven? The, the language isn't there. Now, you can maybe extrapolate that and maybe make paradise equivalent to heaven, but I think it becomes confusing because when my language, I speak about paradise or going to be with Jesus, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I try to avoid language. Sometimes I, you will hear me say it, so, so don't call me hypocrite. For simplicity's sake, Heaven or hell becomes a short, that, that there is, there, there either is eternity in hell or eternity in, in the new heavens, the new earth. And that's kind of, but the problem with when we say somebody died and go to heaven, do we mean paradise, this period until the resurrection body? Or do we mean the new Jerusalem and the new heavens, the new earth? It becomes quite confusing. So I try to avoid that language. The Bible never speaks that way. And so I try to use biblical language as much as possible in speaking about the afterlife. So it's a great question. And you notice my vocabulary today, I, I avoid saying, so I avoid saying that somebody's loved one is going to, going to go to heaven because it creates confusion because we're not clear what that means. And, and we need clarity in all these things. So this next question. So, yes. Yeah, soul sleep, yes. Soul sleep is, uh, is this idea that, that, okay, lots of times you hear something, oh, the body's asleep, the soul must be asleep, then it'll be awakened at the last day. What does Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Does this indicate that the soul of Jesus is asleep or the soul of the thief? No. Do, how about 2 Corinthians chapter 5? To be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And so we, we would speak in terms of, of that, that we are present with the Lord at this time. That, I think that's, this is how we would, we would ex express it. And, so, so, and, and, I, and by the way, if you notice, they keep on coming to two central passages, right? All these passages with the streets lined with gold and, uh, and the eternal banquet, the marriage feast of the Lamb, these are all passages having to do with the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Scripture gives us very, very little to speak about the time period from our earthly death to the resurrection of the body. Because even this is, even though, as we, as we say in 2 Peter, that our Lord, you know, um, has tarried, that, but we have to remember with him, one day is a thousand years, right? It's been 2,000 years since the resurrection of Christ, right? And so, 
but compared to eternity, how long is 2,000 years? You know, you know when we've been there 10,000 years, bright sign in the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And so 2,000 years versus all eternity is, is nothing. So uh, is, that, is that helpful? So any other questions, comments? I do want to speak about, again, part of it is, is, um, is that we are your pastors. We are your pastors. And pastors are shepherds. A, a, a German term for, for being a pastor is the Zeelsorger. The Zeelsorger, and there's healer of souls. And so when you or a loved one might even face death, it, it might be something that you recover from. For example, you get a diagnosis, or a loved one gets a diagnosis of cancer. Bring your pastor into the conversation so they can pray with you or the, or the loved one. Speak about your pastors. There is something, as somebody approaches death, there's wonderful little right in, in, in the LSB called, the, our pastor's companion called the commendation of dying. We do not do, quote unquote, last rites, you know, like the Roman Catholic Church. There's no sacrament like this. But there's a beautiful little rite where we commend somebody to the hands of Jesus as they approach death. And it's just this wonderful little rite. It's called Commendation of Dying. And, and especially, it's quite helpful that um, we do it while the person still has consciousness. Or, you know, I saw him a couple of days before he, I saw him on Thursday before he passed away. I think Pastor Barnes actually saw him the day before he passed away. And, and to my prayers, um, he said, Amen. A, a fairly strong Amen. You know, and I said, and I, I closed it, or, do you know that Jesus is with you always to the very end of the age? Amen. Amen. So he said a strong amen. So, so as part of, of, of this, so we as pastors desire to be with those who are grieving and hurting. So please involve your pastors um, as early as possible. And sometimes it might mean that the person does not die. Praise God. We have people in our congregation that they're going to die. They're still with us. They're sitting in a pew. They're completely doing physical activities again. They're going to die. But the Lord had different ideas. Now, the other side is, is some people die more quickly or even suddenly. But please involve your pastors. Okay, got like one minute left. Um, are there any questions or comments? Part of the idea is to think biblically. So thinking biblically means we need to think in terms of the funeral. By the way, I will not preside at a celebration of life. Have you heard of this term? This is, this is a new term. Well, celebration of life. See, the or, or, we, we have funerals. We have funerals. Um, funerals indicate somebody has died. Celebration of life is this modern thing to avoid death. And so we want to celebrate the life of somebody, except they're gone. If all I have is memories, they're gone. The funeral acknowledges the grief of the one who's gone, for the one who's gone, but also the hope of the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And when I conduct a funeral for one of our members from the front, I'm very careful to always use present tense verbs. They are not gone in the sense of no more. They are present with the Lord and they are seeing Jesus in the, in the divine service. We sing with the whole host of heaven the praises of the Lord, right? What, you know, um, and in our family, we've lost both fathers now. But I know they're singing the praises of Jesus. So in the sanctus, when I glorify the Lord at the same time, I, I know that my father and my father-in-law are both glorifying the same Lord at the same time. 
the whole host of heaven. And so, and so this is so important to think about, about this way. See, celebration of life is a way of, of just kind of observing and remembering somebody's past. The funeral acknowledges the reality of death, but also the reality of Christ and, and how there is hope because he died and he rose again. Okay, uh, again, funeral lessons should be appropriate. Okay, um, I, I would suggest for you, uh, if you know your confirmation verse, please let us know about that. We can incorporate it into the sermon or maybe have, if it's a part of a nice lesson, use that as a lesson. Um, there are um, great hymns and great lessons. Uh, the hymns that, that I think are particularly stronger are bolded for you. Um, if you desire, um, I'm not expecting the high schoolers to do this, but if you desire, take this sheet and fill it out and bring it back to the church office. You know, there's no legal standing. You could make it part of your will, though, right? Could make it part of your will. Make sure your executor knows about this. Again, you know, I hate to be paranoid, but I have some bad stories to tell you. And it's a very tragic when, when somebody does not, you know, um, you know, and there's so many, you know, where somebody, the, the children do not treat their parents the way their parents would have wanted them treated at, at their funeral. And, that's a, and, and this might guarantee that it doesn't happen that way. Okay, I have nothing else to say. Any questions or comments about life and death in Christ? You know, this is, um, and, and by the way, I mean, as I get older, death becomes more real to me and also it's very hard, but it doesn't have to be just because you're older. Um, next Saturday, uh, we're, we have to go to a funeral. One of Paul's buddies from Snaferville Central. In fact, we went on, you know, him and his father and Paul and I went on a four-person, four-guy camping trip in high school. This guy, this guy was living in Denver, came home for Easter, wasn't feeling good. They took him to Edward. Oh, we got some problems here. Let's do some tests and stuff like this. Well, they went back to Denver, hospitalized him in Denver. It's gone. He was an outside hitter for Naperville Central's volleyball team and still was playing rec league volleyball. It's gone. 33 years old. It's gone. So we do not know when, when death will, will happen. So, so these are very real subjects, and we're all going to face it. Um, now, as you get older, you, you realize it more and more because you might have friends and family that have, have died. But, but increasingly, we all face this. For the Lord Jesus has risen from the dead. Yes, Elise. Um, I have a question about the embalming come in. That's not really biblical. However, Joseph would have been embalmed. I mean, because how do you carry the body? back, you know, from Egypt, so he would follow an Egyptian practice right there. So I, that's, I, when I think about embalming as opposed to being buried within 24 hours, that's one thing that I, I bear in mind. I, I do not know the exact history of embalming. I think part of it is because as communities, I suspect, okay, I suspect as communities and as people become more fragmented and they want to have a visitation and then the, the funeral and then the burial, um, that, that becomes harder and harder to bring people together on a quick basis versus small communities where everyone's relatives would have lived within like 10 miles of, e of each other. And you could have funerals very quickly. That's my suspicion. I do not know. Yeah, you used to have home visitations. Exactly. The body would have been be laid out in the home. I mean, so, so and, and, and that's, that's true. Yes. Yes. Um, and the whole idea of funeral homes and stuff like this, you know, funeral homes developed basically um, the local cabinet maker in town or a local carpenter in town uh, branched out into building caskets and they branched out into having, doing, actually, you know, then, then uh, hiring somebody to lay them into, into the grave. That's how funeral homes developed, you know. But one parish we had was, a, was always interesting because the local funeral home also owned the ambulance service. 
And the joke was, you know, let's make sure we know which place we're going to take me to. So it's a, you know, when he called it an ambulance. So, so that was a, um, that's some of the history right there.